0: From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's common sense conservative commentary from Todd Starnes. That's us, that's right, I
2: love this American
3: ride. Yes it is, welcome into it, it is the Todd Starnes radio show. No, it's not Todd Starnes, he's out for another day, or a couple of days at least, as he's out at the National Association of Broadcasters annual convention, which means... Yours truly, Andy Hoosier, filling in again today uh, for one more day with you. So honored to be on the airwaves with you on the Tom Sarns radio program at the Liberty University Studios. Moving out to the middle of the country in Wichita, Kansas, where I hail from on a daily basis. And it's so great to have you. 901 260 5926 Nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. if you want to jump on the program. We have a lot to talk about today. It's going to be a huge show. It's going to be huge and it's going to be bigly, right? And I think we're going to make it bigly. <laughs> By the way, did you see the? Uh, there was the town hall meeting, in case you missed it yesterday, there was a major town hall meeting on the Ingram angle on Fox News, where Donald Trump is doing his big rally down in South Carolina. We are now one week away from that primary where he continues to rally in with Nikki Haley to to campaign in her home state just not quite cutting it with him still having a near 65 percent lead over her 38 35 percent whatever it is and he tries he's trying man i it's kind of a different donald trump that we saw on the town hall last night not as feisty as a little more calm, collected, trying to talk just very Trying to act, I, I guess, presidential is what he's trying to do. It's not like the rallies that we have where he just goes off the cuff and just has fun with it. And he even tried to correct his bigly remarks last night. She's not working. She's here. She's down by 30, 35
4: points. And everybody knows her. You're not supposed to lose your home state. Shouldn't happen anyway. And she's losing it big, Big. I mean, really. Uh, <laughs>
3: bigly a big big no it's not bigly it's big (laughs) i don't know don't change it it's the staple of donald trump isms we love it we love it keep it up man keep it up don't don't be changing that now remember the campaign that we had back in 2016 it was just let trump be trump and that was the slogan that's what was all over the campaign headquarters when they showed behind the scenes let trump be trump we criticize them based on how he talks or some of the tweets that he made or some of the comments that he makes. And I get it. It can be very off-putting to some individuals, which is why there are some extremely non-never-Trumper type individuals, even within the Republican Party. But let Trump be Trump. And he does it. And he pulls it off each and every time or most of the time usually, which is why he has such a large support, even in the home state of Nikki Haley, which I have a new theory on that that we'll talk about in just a minute with Nikki Haley. Wanting to stay in this race moving forward, even after her devastating loss she's about to have in the state of South Carolina. Coming up, bottom of this hour, we have Selwyn Duke. He is a contributor to The New American, the newamerican.com. I love their uh, writings and some of the journalism that they have. He's going to talk about some of the corrupt media, the push for communism in this nation. Say what? Yeah, we'll get to that here in a little bit here as well. But I have a new theory on Nikki Haley and her wanting to stay in the race. First off, I want to finish this clip. Donald Trump talking about Nikki Haley, not wanting to get out because she openly said that she has no intention of actually getting out of this race. Many
4: of the same politicians who now publicly embrace Trump privately dread him. They know what a disaster he's been and will continue to be for our party. Some people used to say I was running because I really wanted to be vice president. (laughs) I think I've pretty well settled
3: that question. So her on the campaign trail, and it sounds like maybe like a restaurant or something with 10 people there. (laughs) I don't know. There may be more there, but who knows? She's desperate to stay on the race. And right now she can stay in the race, not necessarily because of polling, but because of the amount of money she has coming in from donors. And we could speculate on what those donors may look like, but majority of them, at least in South Carolina right now, are Democrat donors, or at least ones that have contributed to Democrats in the past, majoritively. So she's kind of reaching out to this other aisle just to keep her foot in the door. And I have a theory on why. We speculated briefly on the program yesterday about why she's staying in the race, and the question is why when we're trying to unite the Republican Party. But she sees an opportunity not to win by popularity or polls within the Republican ranks and try and beat Donald Trump in the popularity contest. No, no. Her new realm of trying to win realizes and recognizes the fact that she can't win in that mindset. So she's waiting for Donald Trump to be financially ruined or to go to jail. And just to be the default candidate, because while I'm the next in line, I'm still the only one that's actually on the ticket or actually running right now. So I'm just going to wait until everything crumbles around Donald Trump and then I'll just be there. The Gandalf riding on his great white horse coming to save Rohan uh, for the big battle against the orcs. And we're going to just be here to save the day, coincidentally, because we never left the political race. Is that the new strategy that she has? Donald Trump uh, made that remark during the. Conversation with Laura Ingram yesterday evening. She's not working. She's here. She's down by 30, 35 points.
4: And everybody knows her. You're not supposed to lose your home state. Shouldn't happen anyway. And she's losing it big. Big. I mean, really. uh, I said big Lee and big Lee. She's losing it big Lee. But we're going to we're going to really do a job. I think that, uh, as you know, when we went to Iowa. We got the biggest margin in the history of the caucus, the biggest. That's a long time.
5: Why do you think she's we, staying in the race?
4: Um, I don't think she knows how to get out, actually. Uh, I really don't. She did terribly in New Hampshire. She got mo- the only vote. She but got she has was a lot of Democrats. money behind her. What do they think? they're Well, they're trying to hurt me because of the general election. So the Democrats are giving her money and she's playing into the game. And I think she just can't get she just can't get herself to get out. Uh, she's doing poorly in the polls. Look, if she was doing well, I'd understand it. But she's doing very poorly. She lost uh, in record numbers in Iowa, record numbers in
3: New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. So there you go. And then, of course, Nevada, where she wasn't even on the ballot, and, or he wasn't even on the ballot, and ended up dominating that race as well. He He thinks that she doesn't know how to get out of the race, but... She's waiting for all the financial ruins and all of the shenanigans to crumble around him with the court issues that's going to lead Donald Trump to be forced to offer the ticket or not able to run as the Republican candidate. The
4: problem is, this is someone we're talking about could win the Republican nomination. And he's gonna be in court March and April, May and June. He by his own words said he's gonna be spending more time in court than he is on the campaign trail. That's a problem. Republicans will not win if Donald Trump is the nominee.
3: That audio from Fox News, by the way. So now we're in the conundrum. Do we have a candidate that's tied up in court fighting for what he wants to do and realize that maybe he can't be on the campaign trail talking to the people as normal? Or do you go with the candidate that can be out there talking to people but may not be who they necessarily prefer? in the elections, in the electorate system. I'm curious on where you stand there. Obviously, you know, the majority of individuals, at least we talk to, and that Todd talks to on this program here, are majoritively Donald Trump supporters. But if he is tied up in court, does that really matter? Or are we in a new phase of politics in the nation where obviously we know what his record is? He was president for four years. We knew exactly what he did. We knew exactly what he wants to do. He talks about his agenda forty-five, and he talks about his agenda forty whatever. And he wants to, you know, abolish the Department of Education. He wants to go after the deep state. He wants to go after the IRS. He wants to go after the CIA and the FBI. He wants to go after the corrupt Democrats that tried to keep him off the ballot. He wants to do all of these things, which are great, and we already know what he's going to do. So does him holding a rally trying to hold 30,000 people in there really change what his whole agenda actually is or actually change your opinion to the fact that he can't be there with you, the American people on the campaign trail? I'm curious. 901-260-5926. Did we see a new Trump last night at this town hall with Laura Ingram? Because, well, he's got an agenda. He knows what he wants to do. And he, by golly, he's going to make it happen. But he's doing it in a more professional. I don't want to say professional because he's always been professional, but in a different tone. A different style, not so much the excited Donald Trump, but more the laid back, I'm here and we're just going to get this done. It's a a
4: form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, The guy's a nut job.
3: Okay, let me set the stage here first. Uh, as Laura Ingram had asked him about the court cases right now, in the civil court case in New York where he's have to pay $350 million plus the interest that's adding up to like eighty seven, eighty eight thousand dollars a day until he actually pays some of this stuff. And even if he tries to challenge it, he's still got to put money in there. And this whole deal, and it, it really is what we've seen during some of the communist revolutions across other parts of the nation or other parts of the world. Have we not? In Cuba? Uh, If you remember, the media lost their minds a few months ago when he was holding a rally down in Miami and the Cuban Americans coming up to him saying, we see exactly what's happening. We know exactly how they're attacking you. We know exactly what you're going through because we've seen the exact same thing in our home country, which is why we came here, because we actually would like a judicial system that's uh, fair and balanced and actually not going after individuals uh, because of being a political opponent. And if you remember, I I may have the audio clip I have to find it. Chuck Todd was livid. He was losing his mind trying to say that, oh, that Cuban Americans were desperate to try and find some type of relatable connection to Donald Trump, that they're trying to connect two dots that aren't really there. This is insane how they're trying to use him as the platform for for some type of martyrism that's going on in the nation and trying to claim some type of corrupt legal system. Like they had no clue how to handle this, which I would think being the white guy, and as much as they love to play the identity politics, that that would be a very racist statement by accusing Cuban Americans of things that they actually experience in their home country and they see of what's going on in our country and that he knows better about their lifestyle and their history in their own country than what they did. But I digress. Doesn't really matter. But uh, he's comment Donald Trump's commenting on the court case happening now in, in New York and how much they're losing their minds over the fact that, you know, Donald Trump's still winning and that we have to find a way to destroy him. If we can't remove him off the ballot, if we can't steal the election, Supposedly, allegedly, in 2020, if we can't rig the system or at least uh, make it more favorable to our side, we can't boot him off. We can't get him thrown in jail because these court cases aren't working for whatever reason. Our next goal? Let's financially ruin the guy. Because why not? It's a lot of
4: form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. Uh, no jury, no anything. Uh, Letitia James is horrible attorney general in New York, campaigned on I will get Trump, I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything. And he fined me $355 million plus interest and in other things. 355. And what we did, in fact, my, my financial statements were conservative. Everybody made money. There was no victim. The bank gets up and says, we love this guy. I mean, they, they love the You paid Trump. back the loans hundred percent, no defaults, no anything. The bank asked me to, you know, banks lend money. That's how they make money. They asked me, would I borrow some money? They asked me, I didn't need the money. I had a lot of cash. And what happens is this guy ruled that I was guilty before the trial started. He didn't even know anything about it. He ruled that a house in Florida called mar lago is worth $18 million when it's worth
3: from 50 to 100 times that. Yeah, it's insane. You can tell. It's evidence. It's obvious. And you can tell he's fired up, but at the same time, I got to give him credit. He's kept his professionalism and is cool with this entire scenario when he could be going off his rocker and he would have the right to do so. But uh, he's doing it in a professional manner, showing that maybe behind the scenes he's squirming a little bit with the amount of money coming out. But at the same time, he realized the risks and what he's getting into because he knows the amount of hate that's been spewing from the other side, desperate to remove him from the potentially next president of the United States, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. Andy Hoosier filling in for the great Todd Starnes. He's out for the next couple of days. He's out at the National Association of Broadcasters, not only probably winning a, a whole bunch of awards for him and the great station with the Mighty 990 there in Memphis, Tennessee where his flagship is and with all the team there, but uh, also talking about his new book as well. We'll have some more information on that here in just a little bit. Got to take a break. Andy, who's filling in for the great Todd Starnes and the Todd Starnes radio program? Stay right here.
1: Mike Lindell and my pillow employees want to thank my listeners for your continued support. And to thank you, they have an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use the promo code STARNS and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off the MyPello 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived. Won't last long, folks. Get a six-pack towel set for only twenty nine ninety eight and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers. 100% made in the USA. On sale for as low as ninety nine ninety nine. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels. They absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, so much more. To get the best offers ever, go to MyPillow com and use promo code STARNS or call 800-839-8506 and get free shipping on your entire order while supplies last.
3: Welcome back in Todd Starns Radio Program. Andy who's your filling in. By the way, if you want to find more information about Todd, you can find his website, ToddStarnes.com. He's got all his podcasts there. He's got all his writings there. He's got his books there. And uh, great content, not going to want to miss any of that one. For me, you can find my website at HoosierReason.com. No I in Hoosier, H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason, HoosierReason.com, and my social media handle as well at HoosierReason. is uh, always a pleasure to have you along for the ride, 901-260-5926. As Donald Trump laying down the gauntlet yesterday, man, he was sitting with Laura Ingram on Fox News, and while he was more in the calm collect state that he's been really more so throughout the campaign trail this time than he has been in the past, he didn't hold anything back with some of the accusations that he had about what's going on with some of these lawsuits. This is all coming out of the White House. This is all, everything that you see, whether
4: it's that one or the DA. You know in the DA's office, in Bragg's office, he has his top people from the DOJ working in the district attorney's office in New York. Nobody knows that. Everything is coming out. This is all election interference.
3: They're trying to damage me so they can win another election. I mean, it makes sense. Does it not make sense? They've tried the election thing in 2020, and wherever you stand on that issue is up to you not to try to put anything in your ear, tweet, tweet. But nonetheless, uh, there was a concern about voter fraud, about voter shenanigans, about something that happened in 2020. Then we hear about some of the... Uh, you know, let's just throw everything at the books to remove him from the ballot in general, which that one's not going to happen. The Supreme court's going to come back and, and just laugh at that with how the questioning went for the case coming out of Colorado. We heard potentially about Michigan trying the same thing in Maine, trying the same thing, Massachusetts and wherever else that they just want to remove him. It's not working. None of it's working, which shows that there's a bigger movement here. And again, while Trump may not be on the campaign trail the entire time that there's a grander movement at foot, that's desperate to say anyone but Trump that's coming from D.C. And if they are tied to the attorneys, to the judges, to the court system, to the ones that are trying to push these lawsuits just to financially ruin him, that would be not a conspiracy. We're not putting the tinfoil hat on here. We're just acknowledging the fact that there's connections, that there's ties, and that there's an orchestrated effort to try to financially ruin him or do whatever they can. You might want to cover up your desperation showing, to keep them off the ballot at the same time when they do that they always push that envelope just a little bit too far to the point where they're going to get themselves in trouble and i've said this for a while that the veil's starting to be lifted right now that the ridiculousness the behind the scenes the deep state if you want to put it that way the shenanigans in washington dc or joe biden says the malarkey that that's starting to come to the surface to where we can recognize it and we can see it and it's blatantly in front of us, which is why we see the ongoing effort from the media right now that's trying to gaslight us and say, no, these aren't the jolly Joe are looking for. We recognize it and then they tell us it's not really happening. That's Barack Obama telling us that it's not light outside when we're in the middle of the daytime or it's them saying that crime's not going up when we see crime stats going up. That's them literally just gaslighting us and saying, no, no, no. When you go to the grocery store, inflation's not that bad. Groceries are getting cheaper. But yet we look at it, and they're three times more expensive than what we had seen just a few years ago. They're gaslighting us. And Donald Trump's calling it out. And as they do that, they're getting themselves in more trouble as the process goes along. The
4: Eighth Amendment. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. That's the Eighth Amendment excessive
3: fines are we starting to breach a constitutional violation i mean if you want to look at it from the election standpoint you could make the case that we already have been if you look at it from the immigration standpoint i guess you could make a case that we already have been not enforcing the laws that are on the books to shut down the border make sure we don't have you know criminals running rampant across the nation because of a quote-unquote invasion that's happening at our southern border so you could make that case that things are happening But are they really starting to openly violate the Constitution, especially with the Eighth Amendment unreasonable punishments? Oh, my. If that's the case, then we're taking things to an entirely new level. And now whether we see any repercussions from that, whether we see any type of punishment or response, that's up to, well, us and to the right people that are going to be in the system that aren't insanely corrupt. But I'm telling you, the farther they push the envelope, the more in trouble they're going to get themselves. The question is, how long can that game of charades continue until everything begins to unfold and that house of cards begins to fall? Lots more coming up. as Todd Sarnes Radio Program. Stay right here.
1: Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. Hi, this is Todd Starnes, and in just a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or shipped to your door. You'll have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. And you'll see transparent pricing on every coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. And this new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Or call 866-649-0304. That number again, 866-649-0304, and start investing today.
4: You ever just say to yourself, you know, I'm done. This this is what they, why? A lot of people would have said, I'm going to come out. Why are you staying in this? I can't because I want to make America great again. It's not great right now, and we can do that.
3: It's a bold statement. When you got everybody coming against you and you have hundreds of millions of dollars coming after you trying to take away every bit of your dynasty, every bit of your legacy, everything that you've worked your entire life for, and look, you're in, what, your late 70s, early 80s, and you're getting to that point. Like, you've you've built your life. You've done everything. And then everybody wants to take it away from you, and you're just like, meh, it's more important it's more important for me to do this because this is what we have to do I, look anybody like Trump dislike Trump be irrelevant to Trump doesn't really matter the fact that that's the kind of stance you got to give the guy credit and it's only for his ego well ego goes so far I mean if it is his ego, then that's a pretty thick ego because if you're willing to lose your entire legacy and your entire livelihood as a person who was a, a business mongol and someone who built their entire livelihood on this and then someone tries to strip it away, there's a line is an ego maniac to where you would be like, yeah, sorry, I built all this. I want to try and keep my money and I'm just going to walk away and disappear. And he's not doing that, so kudos to him. Winning. Making it happen. Welcome back in. 901-260-5926 on the Todd Starnes Radio Program. Moving the Liberty University studios out to Wichita, Kansas. My name's Andy Hoosier, and it's so wonderful to fill in today. I want to shift gears just slightly. As we talk about the campaign trail, the media and the portrayal of this and the platform we have from the other side of the aisle as we go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker hotlines for the first time on the program today. Happy to have on the program. And I love chatting with this guy any chance that I get uh, when we talk about journalism, what true, real journalism actually looks like. I always go to this guy. He's a contributor to The New American, which you can find online at the dot com. Happy to have on the program. Mr. Selwyn Duke. Selwyn, how are you, my friend?
6: Andy, I'm doing just fine. How are you?
3: It's great. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, it's so great to talk to you, and especially here on the Todd Starnes program. Let's talk about the media and how they're covering some of these issues. We had Trump hold his town hall with Laura Ingram last night, which really, even the the Fox News media, the Fox News company itself, really hasn't been uh, very open to Donald Trump lately. So it was interesting that Laura Ingram was able to do this, especially after some of the changes that they've seen. But then we have the other media that focuses nonstop on how he broke all these laws. They're giddy about this whole four hundred and fifty-some odd million dollars he's paying in these civil lawsuits. What's your take on all this right now? And is this the sabotage going into election season?
6: Yeah, well, of course it is, Andy. And look we understand that this is a witch hunt. I understand that they applied a law to Trump that has never been applied in that way before. I mean, Alan Dershowitz, who's a lifelong Democrat, said that this is very, very dangerous for the Republic because it's going to send the message to all businessmen, hey, you can't get into politics because if you do and you threaten the powers that be, they can destroy your financial empire. They can destroy your business. And That's very dangerous, and that's why this goes way beyond Trump, and he's not the only one, Dershowitz, sounding this alarm. Many people have. I mean, I know Kevin O'Leary, you know, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. He was saying that he's not a Trump supporter, but he was saying that people are not going to be investing in New York because they're going to be scared now. And let me tell you what's happened with New York. Kevin O'Leary said it's a loser state. Now, I'm going to say... It's officially branded itself as being akin to a banana republic state. It has become our first banana republic state. That's actually what's happening here. And I'll mention one more thing. You can shut me up if I'm going on too long. But you'll also see in the media what they're doing. I just wrote about this, Andy. They're trying to portray Trump as going senile, as cognitively impaired for the last three weeks or so. It's amazing. And what's obviously going on is they know that this is Biden's Achilles heel because Biden is really deteriorating fast. So they have to try to neutralize that issue. So they want to put Trump on the same cognitive plane. It's absolutely unbelievable. And anyway, I don't want to go on too long about that, but I I want to say, isn't that like the definition
3: of narcissism is that you you do something so you blame somebody else to keep the attention off you? Isn't that like by definition what narcissism is?
6: Yeah, well, you could say so, but this is just typical propaganda. I mean, again, they're trying to drag Biden, who is absolutely senile. And by the way, rumor had it a long time ago that he was taking anti-dementia drug Namenda. I want to make that clear, and I'm sure it's true. He's got to be on some drugs. That's how they're keeping him going at all. Okay? But Biden is not functioning well at all. I don't even know if he's going to make it to the election. We'll have to see what happens. So they're saying, oh, Trump is demented as well. He made a mistake. You know, he used Nikki Haley's name when he met Nancy Pelosi. Well, listen, we all make mistakes. I made a mistake when I was 10 like that. I put that in my article. But you know what I did? Because I'm a fair guy. I said, okay, listen. Maybe he has lost a half a step. He's 77 years old. So I watched all of his rally on Saturday, which was in Michigan, I think. And let me tell you something. He spoke for over an hour, Andy, extemporaneously without missing a beat. I've never seen anyone work the crowd better, and that's the truth. And you can't do that if you're cognitively impaired.
3: Of course not. No, Joe Biden's hyped up on so many steroids just to give a 10-minute speech and uh, just scuffle off stage. We see con- the, the complete difference, which, by the way, Sullivan, allegedly we were going to see the White House doctor do the annual testing on Biden, his uh, his his physical or his mental. I, I guess they said they weren't going to do a cognitive test, but we didn't hear anything. At least I haven't heard the results on how that went on how he's doing I seem to remember way back when, like during the Trump administration, when we had a three-hour press conference with the White House doctor with the media grilling them on whether Donald Trump was cognitively available then. But yet we're not hearing anything about the White House doctor today.
6: Well, yeah, it really is something. And by the way, the Babylon Beat, a satirical site, had a hilarious headline. It was, devout Catholic Joe Biden has decided to give up cognitive tests for Lent. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love it, I love it. it it's ridiculous, and the media and the media doesn't do anything about it which which drives me nuts. You had mentioned as well with this law case this this banana republic that we 're starting to see in new york, and we we talked about it on the program yesterday i 'm very Uh, we're very careful about the terminology and the wordings that we use because we see so many negative connotations being thrown out from the other side uh, about racism, about fascism, Nazism. Donald Trump's a fascist. Joe Biden himself has literally said this election is about either preserving democracy or having an authoritarian who's going to execute his political opponents when he gets back into office. Like, we've gone to such a hyperbolic level in this nation. It's insane. But when you mention the banana republic in New York, I mean – Uh, Right before you came on, we had referenced Cubans down in Miami when Donald Trump had a rally down there just, what, a year ago, less than a year ago, and the media losing their minds at how the Cuban Americans could relate him to being a uh, political persecuted individual like they saw in their home country when they were in a banana republic and a communist nation that would just completely destroy a political opponent through a legal system. We're seeing that play out right before our eyes right now, aren't we?
6: Yeah, we are. Look, the bottom line is this. This, again, is not about Trump. It's about anyone who's going to oppose the establishment. It doesn't want to lose its power. And that really is what's going on here. And that's why this is so dangerous. People have to understand, Okay, maybe you don't like Trump completely. Maybe you think he says some impolitic things or you don't like his tweets. But two things you have to realize. I mean, first, We often say, we don't want any more plastic politicians. They're so phony. We want real people in politics. Well, guess what? If you want real people in politics, then you have to understand they are going to say impolitic things at times, because they're going to be honest. and Not everything is going to be packaged and canned. So you have to make up your mind. What do you want? You want a Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yeah. Sometimes she's going to say things you don't like. You suck it up, you put on your big boy pants, and you look at the policies, because That's what really matters. But the other thing you have to realize is that the idea is to put someone in there who's from outside the establishment. Right now, the only person that can be is Donald Trump. That's it. There's no one else. Listen, I like Vivek Ramaswamy a lot. I think he's terrific. I also like Ron DeSantis. But they're out of the race. They're not going to be the nominee. It's Trump or bust. It's Trump or we continue descending into tyranny. Those are the two options. And even with Trump, we're going to have a tough time. Because the cultural winds are against us.
3: No, of course. I mean, it's not going to be solved by one individual, and it's not going to be solved in one administration or one term. It's going to take some time, but we can't continue to go down the road. We have to at least begin reversing course right now. Uh, And like you said, I'm with you. I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he would be great in the Trump staff somewhere because of being such the fighter that he is. I think he has some great ideas. I think that Ron DeSantis may have his time in the sun later on, Uh, but right now, Nikki Haley's not the answer. Ron DeSantis is not the answer. Donald Trump has something that no one else has, which is a movement that goes deeper than just being a Republican with an R in front of their name during an election season, and I think that's where people are starting to see, which is why even with all these legal issues, he's still dominating in these polls. We're talking with Selwyn Duke. He's with The New American, thenewamerican.com. Have you heard the term, Selwyn, of Christian nationalism? Have you heard this new term?
6: Oh, yeah, I wrote about that just (laughs) recently, all the propaganda surrounding that, but go ahead.
3: Well, they, they say now, and we're going to talk about it later on, that Donald Trump apparently is going to be pushing for Christian nationalism, and this is the new fear that they're creating for the other side, that uh, we're going to create this, uh, this new utopian state where if you're not Christian or believe in Christian faith or value, then all of a sudden we're going to come out and persecute you, again, going down this road of fascism, tyranny, authoritarianism that they're accusing Trump. But they're trying to link Donald Trump to this new movement now. I find that kind of fascinating.
6: Yeah, it is fascinating. Look, it's just par for the course with these people, Andy, as you know. I mean, they want to tar the other side as white supremacists or fascists or Nazis, anything that they think is going to stick. This is so nonsensical. I just wrote about it, Rob Reiner's new movie, where he warns about Christian nationalism. Only about 5% of Americans identify as Christian nationalists. And what these people really have a problem with, Andy, is not Christian nationalism. They have a problem with any authentic version of Christianity, with Orthodox Christianity, because they know it stands in their way of power. Remember something. Big, intrusive, oppressive governments have always persecuted the Church. The Nazis did it. Yes, they did. The Soviets did it more overtly. They, of course, do it in China today. And why is that? Because they understand that they want to be the people's highest power. And if people worship THE highest power then the government cannot play that role. If people put God's law first, then, of course, the governmental law cannot be preeminent. When it conflicts with God's law, people are going to say to the government, no, we will not serve. And that's why they're so threatened by Christianity. And to put it in nuts and bolts terms, or more current terms, church attendance, Andy, is one of the best predictors of voting patterns. People who attend church on a regular basis vote overwhelmingly Republican. Atheists or non-religious people vote by a good margin Democrat, and believe me, these politics wonks on the left, they know that very, very well. They're tuned into these things.
3: Yeah. Uh, Last question for you. We got just about a minute or two left here. But do you think it's working as we do see? You're right. The decline in those that are going to church. We see the decline in those with the latest polls showing that believe in some type of higher, higher power or God, whatever that may be to each individual person with that decline and looking towards the answers to government. Government do something for us. Government solve something for us. Obviously, things are getting worse. They're not getting better right now. So do you think that people are beginning to wake up and be like, well, maybe the government doesn't have the answer to solve this problem?
4: Well, you know,
6: some are, some aren't, but the problem is, Andy, that it all comes down to virtue in the people. The Founding Fathers talked about that. I mean, Edmund Burke, he was not a Founding Father, but he said, "...it is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters." And if you look at what the left does culturally is it dumbs down people morally. It corrupts them. And, of course, if you do that—and I'm not saying this is all calculated. They're not that smart— But if you do that, what happens is you create people who are going to gravitate towards tyranny, who are going to have corrupted judgment, and who are not going to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff when they're choosing politicians. That's what happens.
3: It is a concern, and uh, the good thing is, is that we're aware of it. We're beginning to recognize it, and we can start pushing back just a little bit because we're going down a very deep and dark road that I don't know, depending on where that threshold is, but that point of no return, I think, is coming up relatively soon. It's Selwyn Duke, the com. If you want to look at actual journalism, uh, investigative journalism, this guy does it all the time, and I absolutely love hearing his take on all these issues. Selwyn, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. We've got to do it again real soon.
6: Sounds good, Andy. Thank you very much, and God hey, bless. Always, Have a great day.
3: Oh, You as well. Always a pleasure. That's again, Selwyn Duke on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Hotlines. Let's take a break here. We'll get uh, your thoughts on this and more when we come back to wrap up our number one. It is the Todd Starnes Radio Show right back here. Don't go anywhere.
5: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
3: Back into it. It is the Todd Starnes radio program. Andy Hoosier filling in for the great Todd Starnes today. Hey, I want to tell you about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian, conservative, wireless provider. And when I say the only one, trust me, yeah, they're they're really the only one. Like, really, truly. Glenn and the team have been working uh, and great supporters of this program for sure, which is why we're proud to partner with them as well. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage giving you the ability to access all three major networks which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left side of the aisle Say what? kind of awesome isn't it when you switch to patriot mobile you're sending the message that you support free speech religious freedom the sanctity of life the second amendment and the military veterans and first responder heroes as well their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching extremely easy. Keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. They'll even sell you a phone as well. Their team will help you find the best plan for your individual needs. Here's what you do. Go to com slash Todd. Again, PatriotMobile.com slash Todd. Or you can call 972-PATRIOT. When you call, you get your free activation today with the offer code Todd. Join and make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash Todd, or call seven. Uh, I'm sorry, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, patriotmobile.com slash Todd. Go check them out today. Thanks again to Selwyn Duke on the program. Fascinating conversation with him, especially with this push to uh, really set the entire narrative. And uh, Republicans, we've mentioned this before, Republicans have a very hard time sometimes with their messaging, trying to reach out to new voters, trying to reach out to new communities. And this is the way that we start to be aware of this, because the Democrats and the media control the dialogue. They keep us on our toes. We're always playing defense. We're never playing offense. And this is what we're doing right now. When Chuck Todd's out there, I can't believe that Donald Trump actually is getting support from Cuban Americans. How dare they think that he's a martyr from the judicial system? How dare you think that we're violating the Eighth Amendment by unreasonable amounts of punishments? Uh, from a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit. How dare you think that?
4: The Eighth Amendment. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. That's the Eighth Amendment.
3: Excessive fines. Yeah, excessive fines. I mean, that's what he's going through right now. Is it excessive, or are we going to see this as a, norm- a normalcy? Whether you think of other hosts, you know, say like Alex Jones, for an example, if you remember him with Infowars, they went after him big time. And the prosecutors literally said that we want to make an example out of you. Now, that's not what the judicial system's about. That's not what the judicial branch of our governmental structure is about, is to make an example out of you. It's to punish you if you've done something wrong. And I'm not here to defend Alex Jones, whether he did something right or wrong. That's up for you to make your decision on, but when he says that he has a valued business with his InfoWars network at such amount, and then they try and say, well, okay, you owe all of that to a victim or a group of victims, that's excessive punishment. That's excessive. $100 million that they went after him for because they wanted to literally, according to the prosecutors, make an example. I don't know that I want to live in a nation like that where they want to make an example out of you. That, to me, would be the totalitarian sign of how they're trying to come after you. That would be the fascist mentality of we're going to make sure that you don't try to question us and our motives and what we're trying to do with our agenda. That, to me, would be the agenda the Democrats have, but, of course, the narcissists, would be out there and be like no 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 you guys are those you got we're gonna punish you those anti-fascists that are gonna go out and beat up the fascists by silencing anyone that we don't disagree with because if you don't agree with me then you're fascist like what kind of world are we living in today it's a strange one lots more to get to in our number two right around the corner It's the Todd Starnes radio program Andy Hoosier filling in we got so much more to talk about stay right here
0: The Liberty University Studio in Memphis, Tennessee. It's America's conservative blowtorch. That's us. That's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah.
3: Yes, it is. Welcome into the Todd Starnes radio program. No, it's not Todd Starnes. Andy Hoosier filling in from wichita kansas moving the liberty uh, liberty university studios out to wichita kansas my flagship radio station kqam the big talker out here in wichita so great to have you with us man on a wednesday middle of the week we're just carpe all over this place right winning that's what i say at least every day on the radio program welcome in 901-260-5926 901 260 if you want to jump on the program we would love to hear from you today there's a lot to talk about for sure we had donald trump's Sit down the town hall with Laura Ingram yesterday. That we will play, although I will say that Donald Trump, kind of a new Donald Trump, is he tired? Is he determined? Is he focused? Is he laser focused to try and solve the issues of the day? There is uh, a lot of speculation with him, kind of a little more calm and collect yesterday during that sit down with Laura Ingram. We'll do some more of that here in just a little bit. Bottom of this hour, a good friend of mine coming on the program, Drew Thomas Allen. He is host of the Drew Thomas Allen Show podcast, also author of his latest book, America's Last Stand. We'll talk about what happened with the town hall yesterday, the latest from the campaign trail. Also, I believe he's on his way to CPAC which means we'll talk about the upcoming CPAC convention. Uh, We'll tell some stories about CPAC. That was a lot of fun back in the college days and can't wait to get back out there at some point again as well. But open line to you at 901-260-5926. I started off today, I got to admit, I was in a bit of a panic. I was rushing down to the studios where I work in Wichita. I got about a 30, 40-minute drive every day as I, you know, it's perfect. I love it. I get to kind of calm and collect, kind of start my day, kind of focus what I'm going to work on for the day. And as I'm driving down, I realized I was actually behind schedule a little bit. I dropped my daughter off at school in the morning as I head on down, and that's my time to start thinking about what to do. But I realized, I don't know, maybe I was zoning out. Maybe whatever I was doing, I was driving just a little bit slower to work today. And I noticed that and realized I was kind of behind schedule by a few minutes. So I kind of picked up the pace a little bit, if you know what I mean. law enforcement, don't get me, I promise. I was going just a little bit, uh, let's just say we were... Uh, using the speed limits as more of a guideline. Not to say that we were doing anything illegal, but nonetheless, we were driving. And I was driving down and realized that if I got pulled over, I had it all planned out, and I didn't. But if I got pulled over, I wasn't going excessive, but if I got pulled over, I was going to use the argument that you can't pull me over and give me a ticket because if you did, then you would be discriminating against those who may be late to work. And I am now a victim of society, and therefore you can't give me a ticket or come after me. I am a victim. I have decided that my schedule is now the priority of everybody else's life and that you just need to bypass what those speed limit laws are for me to just do what I need to do in my life because that is just who I am and that is just the way that I live my life. Now, (laughs) are we allowed to do that in in society? No. I thought thought that's the way things worked. I thought that if there was a guideline or a rule – and you chose not to follow the rule openly, and it ends up hurting somebody else, let's say I would have gotten into an accident this morning, then it's still I could still say it was not my fault. You cannot blame me for this. I am a victim in this situation because you created the speed limit laws that made everybody else go slow while I'm trying to go fast because that's just who I am, and that's what I do. Does that make a whole lot of sense to anybody? Again, probably, probably, probably not. I didn't know that you could just change things like poof, and then just that way you could do whatever you want to, which is apparently what we're trying to do in society today. There is a civil rights attorney that was on uh, the audio clip was played on Fox News by the name of Ben Crump. I don't know if you've heard the name before. I haven't. But apparently some civil rights attorney who loves to use the race card as the victimhood status. And there's a new video out there where they're kind of, let me set the stage here, it's radio, so let's do the theater of the mind for a moment. Imagine, if you will, a pool hall where there's a pool table and there's individuals sitting around the pool table just having a nonchalant conversation. Now, all of them are dressed to the peak in suit and tie, but which I didn't know that's how you played pool, but they're all sitting around just nonchalantly having a conversation about how to solve the world's problems, and this civil rights attorney stand up and says, well, you know... If you want to solve the issues of today and especially solve the crime issue today, all you have to do is change the definition of what
2: crimes really are. It's like they come up with things to profile us for. And so whatever laws were made, I, I believe this with all the thing in my heart. We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight. Just like that. And people ask how, Attorney Crump. Change the definition of crime. Hmm. Of course, if, if you get to define what conduct is going to be made criminal, you can predict who the criminal is going to be. It sounds like yeah. we are criminal, though. Yeah. Our existence no, is criminal. Well, they made the laws they, they make the law to criminalize our culture. To fit black culture.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow. Say that again. Could you, could you repeat that again, please? They are criminalizing, or apparently, we as the. Americans, I guess, or as the white privileged individuals, the one who started this nation. If you buy into the whole 1619 Project garbage of how this nation was just started based on a bunch of rich, white, evil guys that love slavery and just built the nation on the back of slaves. This is what they're teaching in public education, K through 12, by the way, now that if you buy this mindset that we have created laws in the nation that criminalize the culture of black culture in America. (laughs) Uh, right? I know that breaks your brain a little bit to think about, but let's just go down this road for a second here. Shall we? We've created laws that criminalize black culture. So all the laws that are on the books in the nation are not laws to just keep the peace and just keep order in society, but it's actually intended to criminalize black culture now i don't quite know what black culture is maybe that's the next question because black culture i think would be the the point of conversation here is if we're criminalizing black culture what is exactly black culture Kamala harris was on a panel discussion recently and tried to explain what culture was in general and we can see exactly how effective she was at relaying that message
7: culture is it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time right and 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 Present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> we, have, we have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection to
3: how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. Uh, I'm, I'm more confused now. Can you help me out? I, I don't know what that definition was. What's culture? Culture is a feeling that you get in the morning. usually, <laughs> right? That's what culture is, apparently, according to Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, which, by the way, has now said that she wants to be the focal point and wants to lead the Joe Biden campaign in the election season because even though she has... Lesser approval ratings than Joe Biden, and she's still one of the least approved of vice president's in modern american history she wants to lead the charge on the campaign trail because of how bad donald trump's beating her in the campaigns and beating joe biden so she wants to lead that charge and i'm sure she'll be as excellent with that as she has been being the czar on immigration where she's never actually visited the border and in three years has never actually worked with congress to come up with any legislation on immigration policy as the immigration czar for the biden administration at all so nonetheless that's her definition of culture is a feeling that you get early in the morning. That, <laughs> that's what you get from her. So we're still up in the air, I guess, on what black culture actually means, because according to this civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, sitting around a pool table with other individuals, by the way, Al Sharpton in sitting in there and being included in this conversation as well, saying again that the laws that were made in the United States are laws that were created specifically Against black culture. Now, I'm not one to assume here, but when we look at what crime actually is and what crimes are actually being committed, according to Fox News, they give some of the rundown. Where according to FBI statistics, black individuals commit 46.8% of violent crimes, 36% of drug crimes in the U.S. in 2022, despite only making up near 14.5% of the entire population. I I could be wrong here. And this is the evil racism coming out from the conservative hate right wing talk show host. Right. But I'm, I'm assuming that violent crimes such as robbing and looting or assaulting people is not part of normal black culture. I could be wrong there, but I'm assuming I'm assuming that that's not just part of culture. If it's part of your culture as a norm and just a way of life, I'm just going to go take something. Just oh, I I don't have something. The store has it. I feel like I need to take it because I can't financially afford it, so therefore I am uh, entitled to going and taking that whenever I want to. I don't think that's part of culture. I could be wrong, though. So help me out. 901-260-5926. I don't think that's part of actual culture. Drug crimes... Now, drug crimes, I guess you could have a deeper conversation about whether drugs are legal or not legal. And I will admit that while we see many states legalizing things like marijuana now, that I think some of the drug enforcement in those states should be tweaked. And those that have been sitting in jail for a long time because of having possession of those said drugs like marijuana that's now legal should probably be re-looked at. I'm totally open to that conversation. I'm not saying to legalize or not legalize. I'm just saying that if it is legal in your state and you have someone that's been sitting in jail for 10 years because of marijuana, then maybe you should reevaluate that law or look at those people that are in jail. That's another conversation, though. But again, is that just hitting the black community? Or is there other races that are in there, too? Because, again, these individuals that look at this as the militant victimization of society, they only look at skin color and identity politics, which, to me, is the lowest denomination of an IQ level you could possibly have. If you're only so shallow that you only look at a skin color or a gender identification or a sexual orientation or whatever it is, then we have a deeper problem in society if we're that shallow. But apparently, these individuals that love to play the victim in society, they have to play the victim to a T, all to the point that now not only do we just have laws, but we now have laws that are created specifically for the purpose of trying to victimize a certain culture and destroy a certain culture. We've taken things to an entirely another level, haven't we not? The argument has evolved, because before the argument used to just be that the laws were there, but law enforcement was racist, and therefore we only target The minority communities, which is why we see the uh, the, we see the uh, unbalanced population in jails and prisons based on having more minorities than we do, quote unquote, white individuals. And they tried to play the race card back then that we're only arresting black people when we know white people are doing the same crime, but only black people are doing this. So, therefore, they're the only ones getting in trouble which I strongly disagree with as well. I do not believe in systematic racism at all. But they tried to make that argument. But we've now evolved and escalated, again, turning that dial up to 11, going from that argument that we're, we have laws on the books and we're only targeting minority communities to now the laws themselves were crafted with the specific intent to actually go after a culture of a people. But I don't believe that the culture of the black community is a culture of just we're going to do violent crime because we feel like doing it and it's totally okay in our culture i have a little bit higher respect and a little bit higher standard for individuals regardless of what their race is the racism from the other side is astounding It's the same argument they make in states like, you know, New York City and other large uh, metropolitan areas across the country where they say, well, minority communities and especially the black community, we don't need state issued IDs in order to register to vote because most of them don't have state issued IDs because they're too poor and too stupid to figure out how to get an actual state ID in order to register to vote with said state ID, driver's license, whatever it may be. I'm not saying that. It's them that said that. It's the Democrats that have said that. That the inner cities, the, rural, the, uh, the uh, minority communities in certain cities are too poor and too stupid. They can't afford that $20 to go and get a state-issued ID in order to register to vote. So how dare you assume that they can get that in order to register? They're not capable of doing it. They don't know how, they don't know where, and they don't have the financial means. I'm sorry. That's kind of a general assumption that I believe is a little bit racist. But that's the other side playing the victim. And they're okay with with degrading themselves, apparently, to that level to say that now the laws are violating their own culture when the laws are in place for, I don't know, to keep everyone safe and happy and not have their stuff looted or not be assaulted in the middle of the street. I thought that was a good thing. But apparently that's just an evil white thing where we're coming down on the minority in the country. Odd take. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. I want to get your thoughts on this. Have we created a system... That's systematically racist with the intent to actually craft laws to go after black culture in this nation. Another entire, another realm that breaks my, makes my brain hurt just a little bit. Back here on the Todd Sons radio program. Stay here. Welcome back into it. It is the Todd Sarns Radio Program. Andy Hoosier filling in for Todd today as he is out at the NAB convention. Also, he's uh, talking about his book, which is coming out. I'm excited because he's going to be doing his book tour, I believe, relatively soon, kicking that off and where I'm coming from. And Wichita, Kansas, excited to get him out here our way to chat as well. But until then, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. Are we attacking black culture when we have laws that say that you shouldn't Rob places or loot stores or commit violent crimes against other individuals. I thought that was to protect everybody, including those individuals in whatever community it may be, whether you look at it as a mosaic or you look at it as uh, the melting pot in this nation, that I thought protecting everybody was a good thing. But apparently, according to some civil rights attorneys, nonetheless, saying that just by creating laws themselves, that we are now attacking black culture. And all we got to do if you want to lower crime rates, it's just changed the definition of what crime actually is. It's like
2: they come up with things to profile us for. And so whatever laws were made, I, I believe this with thing in my heart. We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight. Just like that. And people ask how attorney Crump change the definition of crime.
3: <laughs> change, the defi- change the definition of crime. That's all you got to do. So I'm not looting a store. I am selectively picking out what I want and using the bargain sale of buy one, get one free without having to purchase the first one. Oh, see what I did there? That's a good one. We're going to have to use that from now on. I think that no longer am I speeding down the road. I am excessively getting to work in a timely manner. See, I'm and if you pull me over, I am no I am a victim. How dare you victimize me for doing what I need to do? You are attacking my culture. Or something. I didn't realize that that this stuff was part of a culture. I had a little bit higher respect for everybody, thinking that everybody had the same mindset that we should treat people with respect, that we should take care of individuals, that we should love one another. You know, kind of the Christian thing to do, right? But I guess we need to know really what that definition of culture is, which again, we don't know because Kamala Harris hasn't told us what that is.
7: Culture is, it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time. Right. And 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 present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And (laughs) and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning.
3: (laughs) It comes in the morning. There it is. Culture is a feeling that you get and it comes in the morning. And that's what culture is nowadays. I'm so glad that we're able to look to her towards the answers. Thank you. Kamala Harris, why aren't you our president? Why don't you commence with that Operation Joe Biden trip down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe operation so you can take hold? Which, oh, by the way, the latest uh, betting odds show that Kamala Harris, even while trying to take the reins of the Joe Biden campaign for president, still is not the most popular individual. And in fact, she's ranked number four or three on the list for what they would prefer right now, with the majority of them still saying they want Joe Biden to be that candidate. But it's looking less and less likely, especially right now when uh, we have, oh, I don't know, uh, the dementia that's beginning to set in more and more each and every day. It's a crazy time. Drew Thomas Allen coming up right around the corner. we got lots more to get to here on the Todd Starnes radio program. We'll talk about the latest and greatest coming from CPAC and some of these issues and more. It's the Todd Starnes radio show. Stay here. It is the Todd Sarnes Radio Program. Andy Hoosier filling in today for a Wednesday, greatest day of the entire week. We see the light at the end of the tunnel, my friends, and you're working your way through the day as well. Welcome in, 901-260-5925, 901-260-5925. Real quickly, there was a response, by the way, to this Ben Crump, the civil rights attorney, that said, The only way that you can lower crime rates in the nation is by changing the definition of crime because crimes were created. The laws that say what is a crime and what isn't a crime was created to go after black culture. There was a response to that by Dr. Carol Swain, political strategist on Fox News as well, uh, earlier this morning, saying this.
7: One of the reasons that we have so much violent crime and disrespect for law enforcement in America is that we have prominent individuals like Benjamin Crump Given this narrative that's rooted in Marxism, that the crimes that black Americans and maybe other minorities are being arrested for, that somehow these are biased, somehow this targets them. I think it's ludicrous. In fact, if I were listing the crimes, there are some things that they are not being arrested for that I would arrest them for.
3: That audio from Fox News. That again was Dr. Carol Swain. So, I mean, we have laws that are on the books. And you have to abide by those laws on the books. And instead of just getting rid of them, these aren't the joy Joe looking for. And just removing them completely, we should actually, I don't know, like abide by them. And learn how to do that for everybody. But instead, that's an apparent an attack on black culture. You know what this does? This really does, and she's right. It reinforces the concept that law enforcement is evil. And law enforcement that's with their sole purpose to try and keep public safety. To try and follow the laws and try and stop people that are breaking laws. Trying to protect individuals. That that itself is a racist thing. This is the radical purist Marxist mentality that says we should not have law enforcement at all. We should have anarchy to do anything we want to do and that while government's going to solve our issues, we can do anything we want because if you tell me no, then I'm going to be the 12-year-old child throwing a temper tantrum in the candy store where I, like, drop down while you're holding my arm and dislocate my shoulder while I yell and scream and throw a fit because I want that piece of candy. This is the mentality that we have, and these are actual adults sitting around a pool table. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally attacking our culture. Insanity, 901 260 Let's go, however, to talk about some of this and more. Really happy to have this next guest on the program. He is a great friend. I love chatting with him uh, as much as I possibly can. On the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Hotlines, he is the author of the book America's Last Stand. He also has his podcast, the Drew Allen Show podcast, as well It's Mr. Drew Thomas Allen on the line here. Drew, what's going on, my friend? How are you?
8: Well, this is perfect uh, for your show today. So not only am I at CPAC, but at this very moment, I took an excursion, and I am at Mount Vernon right now talking to you.
3: Ooh, I love it. That is, I knew you were headed to CPAC, so I got to say, going to that area and seeing the history brings a tear to my eyes, honestly, and uh, the fact that you're sitting on Mount Vernon. So your thoughts, uh, a black attorney, and I want to play this for you, has come out and said that the way we get rid of crime is by just changing what the definition of crime actually is. We can
2: get rid of all the crime in America overnight, just like that. And people ask, how, Attorney Crump? change the definition of crime.
3: (laughs) If you just change the definition of crime, then we don't have any more crime, Drew. What do you think of that?
8: Well, let's think about also, because you've done an amazing job covering this. I was listening in before. Um, Think about how disgusting this human being is. So what he's effectively saying is He expects nothing more for black people than them to be criminals. That's part of their culture. Their culture isn't excellence. They're not capable of doing well, exceeding exceptionalism, making money, having careers. No, 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 no. They should just continue to commit crime. We should change laws and allow it to happen instead of uh, demanding uh, changes from certain people in the community for their own well. But can you imagine if we did this to white people like, hey, or anybody else except for black people? Like, hey. You know, it's just part of your culture that, you know, you don't get an education. It's part of your culture that you're in gangs. Uh, We don't need to help you get out of gangs and become a contributor to society and also just become a well-rounded, happy human being. We just need to change the laws so that we can reinforce the fact that you stay here forever. It's this plantation mentality. This is what is so crazy, and you hit the nail on the head. It's the Democrat Party historically and today, which is so racist not just in their attitudes, but in their policies.
3: Yeah, it is mind-boggling. that That's how they define their culture, apparently. And again, like you said, I mean, I have higher standards. I would think that everybody wants to live harmoniously together, that we come to America for the streets paved with gold, the opportunity for everyone, and now we're just seeing this crime, and, well, you know, that's just what we do. That's part of our culture, and if you go after us for it, then you're the racist for actually keeping us down from not taking what we want when we want to, it blows my mind. Uh, At the same time, we don't even know, apparently, what the definition of culture is, according to Kamala Harris, which is, she says, it's a feeling that you get early in the morning.
8: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a different feeling she's talking about. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I'll leave it at that. I think for her, Uh, it's
3: dread when she wakes up in the morning, like, I got to go through this crap again.
8: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it's just remarkable, the insurance policy for Joe Biden. I mean, you know, she's the only person, if you put her up next to him, can can make us possibly think that he doesn't have dementia, because what's her excuse?
3: <laughs> there is that. There is that. You're at CPAC this year, which I, I've always told everybody, when you, if you ever get an opportunity to go to the Conservative Political Action Conference do so, because when you want to refuel those tanks, those energies of feel good for the conservative movement and feel like you're ready to take on the world again in an election year. That's the place to go. I love it. And as we talk about this issue with crime across the nation, we have the immigration crisis that's going on. We have the foreign policy that's crumbling around us because of the Biden administration. We have inflation that's up near 20 percent over the past three years and food that's tripled the price that we've seen over the past three years under Joe Biden itself. And that's just the tip of the iceberg on all the devastating effects that Joe Biden, the Democrats have had so far. How important in your mind is it right now to rally the conservatives, to rally the troops, and to make sure that we're prepared for this 2024 election?
8: Well, it's enormously important. It's why I wrote the book, frankly. You know, I mean, America's Last Stand, uh, it sounds, you know, frightening, and it should be for some people, uh, for everyone, actually, because the stakes have never been higher for the country, and we're at risk of becoming. You know, everyone wants to attack Putin in Russia right now. That's fine. He's a monster. But I have a piece of American Greatness today that points out uh, that we've got our own monsters here in America. and Maybe we should stop spending all of our time trying to upend long-established tyrannies and prevent tyranny from taking root here at home in America because, you know, we don't have the moral high ground in terms of our government anymore. Um, The same things Putin's being accused of or has done, certainly, uh, our government's doing right now in this country – and if we don't fight and rally and support Trump and win this election, uh, we're not going to have a, a lot of hope. So it's imperative that people get ready and combat this propaganda, make sure they understand the facts, because we have to go out in our communities and be advocates for Americanism. We have to do that job. And I mean, that's why I wrote the book is to put kind of a political Bible in people's hands to show them the way if they need uh, to convince themselves and others not only what's at stake, Uh, But to give them the arguments and the facts, you know, to, to combat this, because, you know, they're waging a war against reality right now. That's what we're up against.
3: Well, we're waging a war against reality right now, which is unfortunate. But like you said, we have to do it. There's not going to be someone else that comes in and does it for us. And I have to admit, I hate to say this, but I'm very concerned about the state of the Republican Party. On the national level, we have RNC Chairwoman Ronald McDaniel that presumably is going to be stepping down next week after the South Carolina primary if Donald Trump wins that one. We have state Republican parties that are in complete shambles. Uh, My state here, where I'm in in the state of Kansas, not to cause a panic here, but we're $7,000 in the red as a statewide party when our new chairman of the state party said that he was going to have near $2 million in the coffers going into the new year for election time. We're in the red. We have state parties all over the nation right now that are infighting, that are bickering. We have the chair of the Arizona uh, Republican Party stepping down after their attack on Carrie Lake, trying to find a way to buy off her and not run for the U.S. Senate. It comes down to the fact that while that may be bad, I'm still optimistic because they're not the end-all, be-all. And it comes down to just you and I being the catalyst to change, doing the door knocking, making the phone calls, and showing up on Election Day on our own. We don't have to rely on the RNC, do we?
8: No, no, we don't. And we can't rely on them because they're just going to let us down. And if we if we wait around for someone else to save the country, it's never going to happen. That, that's that's the problem. You know, the Democrat Party is very good at activating their individual members, members in the community to contribute and volunteer and do what they can to promote Marxism and destroy the country. And we're very bad at that because I, we sit here and we just say, OK, well, Mitch McConnell's going to pick our candidates for us. You know, Kevin <laughs> McCarthy's is going to go raise the money and then we'll just vote. That's not good enough, and we don't get candidates that actually I – mean, we're, we're having trouble because the, the Democrats are electing these radical candidates to get in there and do exactly what they're tasked with doing, which is destroying America. And we're picking candidates and putting them in there, uh, intended to go in and, and combat them, and they're not doing that. So we need to pick candidates who are actually going to be fighters, and that's going to require the American people to uh, spend a little less time watching Netflix and a little bit more time – Uh, engage in their civic responsibilities.
3: Yeah, we got to do it. We're talking with Drew Thomas Allen. He is author of the book, America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Which you can find on Amazon. Also, his website. Plus, you can find his podcast, the Drew uh, Drew Thomas Allen Show. Uh, podcast as well. Let's talk about CPAC for a minute because that's a great way for us to get those feel goods going to talk and hear about some of the candidates to hear about some of the uh, great leaders in this conservative movement. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many years you've gone. I love CPAC. I haven't gone since college time, but uh, that's definitely a way for you to kind of refuel those energies to refuel that tank and to kind of get on the same page, which I think now CPAC is almost stronger or as strong as the Republican party itself with the conservative I guess, uh, group inside the actual Republican Party?
8: Well, it's united around Trump. And you can tell that CPAC is actually formidable and effective this year because if you watch the left-wing media and what they're saying about it, they're attacking CPAC and saying, oh, it's abandoned its roots. You know, it's, it's gone far-right nationalist. It's a, yeah, that's a good thing. We're actually showing some unity at a time when we need it in the country. And, you know, I really wanted to be here to get a pulse, uh, you know, talk to people. Um, you know, obviously be encouraged and also offer encouragement. I've got a number of clients who are speaking, uh, you know, Tulsi Gabbard is just <laughs> announced with Laura Ingram by Trump on his short, uh, his VP short, you know, his short, uh, list for VP she's speaking. So, you know, I'll, I'll have some time to, to, to see her Tulsi as well. So I, I'm just, I'm just very excited to talk to people, get a, get the consensus and also meet the frauds and make sure they don't have a career.
3: Yeah. Are they? Are you seeing the unity? You mentioned that you want to feel that, but are we actually feeling and seeing that unity there around Trump as that rally? Or are you seeing the holdouts right now that say, no, 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 Trump's got all the legal issues. We need to go uh, go and support Nikki Haley.
8: Well, we'll see. You know, it kicks off tonight at 5 p.m., so I've kind of been mingling and sat next to Matt Schlapp. He was sitting there at breakfast or whatever this morning. And, you know, I mean, you're starting to see the people coming in. Um, I think that we're going to see unity. Uh, I think that the people here at least – uh, are going to be on that page. Otherwise, now they wouldn't be here because it's, it's been announced that Trump's coming. He's going to give a speech here, despite the South Carolina primary and all that sort of stuff going on. Um, I, I just think it's it's finally happening. You've got to tune out a lot of the the crappy media out there. I just don't think they represent a majority, but they're very loud in terms of saying, okay, we support Nikki Haley or we don't like Trump. Still, I think, I, and that's what's that's what I want to find out at CPAC too, because. We need to rally behind Trump at this point. I mean, we should have done it. I've been saying it for a long time. I mean, I wrote a book about it. Obviously, you know, that we need to vote for Trump over the over Biden or some other Democrat. But um, I see that for myself. But that's going to kill us if we have these, you know, the, these, the loud influencers from the DeSantis side, to be honest, in the past that are still saying, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I'm going to sabotage him. That's the best thing. Give him the middle finger because Trump doesn't represent me. I mean, these people are absolutely lunatics.
3: Well, they're definitely going down that road for sure, and uh, we have to continue to see that because they're trying to change reality on us, Drew. Like you said, it's the war on reality right now, and they try to gaslight us. Wait, no, we're not crazy. We're just turning the the sky green, and uh, you can't do anything about it. We're talking with Drew Allen. Uh, America's Last Stand is the book. Uh, Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Last question for you, Drew, but you're out in D.C. You're out there for CPAC. What other sites are you going to see before you see all the conference?
8: Well, this was it, to be honest. This was the big one I wanted to make sure I got to. I've been reading a biography on him, uh, George Washington, of course. And and at this time in history, listen, you play clips of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, just surrounded by this and knowing the history and the story of of him and it coming together at Mount Vernon right now. You just think about how far we've fallen and how much was sacrificed to give us this inheritance. And it's kind of inspiring to me. I mean, honestly... I mean, I am engaged in politics, but I I think really, I mean, I I sit here and I look out at this and I think, man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm in the right place. I'm going to commit myself to politics and stay in here because I'm here witnessing history and this can't be for nothing. It's in our blood to protect this land because, you know, uh, we're the luckiest people on the planet and this isn't going to happen again. So we got to defend it. So anyway, I I just, I, I hope that people feel encouraged. I mean, I feel I have a fight in me, a hunger to save this country and I think it's infectious.
3: God bless you. I love it. That's what you do, and sometimes we have to have that reminder, which is why CPAC is so great. Which is why other conventions, other big rallies, are great to just remind us of what we're fighting for, because sometimes we're in the trenches for so long. We begin to question why we're even doing what we're doing, and that's why Donald Trump even said it last night during his sit-down with uh, Laura Ingram where he just said, we we have to. We have to continue to fight, and I don't know uh, any other thing to do, which is why he continues to do it even with everything being thrown at him. Drew Thomas Allen, America's Last Stand. Go check out the book. Also check out his podcast. Drew, always good to talk to you, my friend. Have fun at CPAC. we got to talk again soon. Will do. God
8: bless you,
3: brother. Bye. You as well. Always a pleasure. Right back here on the Todd Starnes radio program welcome back in it is the Todd sarns radio program Andy who's your filling in today he's out the rest of the week however drew thomas allen was our guest in the last segment always appreciate him coming on america's last stand is the book go check it out on amazon and his website other places as well it is the last stand i don't know where else we go I really don't. If something happens to this country, we can't be like the pilgrims before and just go off and go somewhere else and start a new land. There's nowhere else to go unless you want to go to Antarctica, which is a whole nother conspiracy theory that we don't have time to do today on the Todd Stern's Radio Program. Nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. Have you been to CPAC? If you have not, highly recommend it. It is. Like I said, I, I've never felt so much thrill. It's almost like you know when you go to church and you just get that adrenaline going and everybody's chanting and singing and have a great time and you just get those feels and you feel like you're connected in some way. CPAC does that for you on that political front. It, it gets you riled up. It gets you pumped up. And it is some of the best experiences that I've ever had. I got to go two years. The two years that I went to university before I was like, yeah, college is not my thing. I'm going to drop out and go to a broadcasting school and get into radio. <laughs> and we could see, hopefully, that that turned out relatively well, I think. But nonetheless, I, uh, I was heading up the College Republicans at the time. And the first year was when George W. Bush spoke. It was his last term in office, last, I believe, last year in office. And he spoke. And it was a heck of, a, heck of an experience to see, you know, whether you liked uh, George Bush or not. It was an experience to see a sitting president. At that rally and at CPAC. The second year, I'll never forget it, Rush Limbaugh, bless his heart, rest in peace, was speaking. It was the big year that Rush Limbaugh was there. And I will never forget it because he was the last person to speak on a Saturday, the last day of the conference. And I got up, I got to the conference room that he was going to speak at, and I waited all day. I went to that conference room. Early in the morning, as soon as they were opening the doors and sat through all of the panel discussions, all the other speakers, I got like, I don't know, six rows back from the front. I didn't go to the bathroom. I didn't go and eat any food. I didn't do it. I sat there all day to listen to Rush Limbaugh speak and got to see him right up front and close, which was absolutely amazing to see. At that time, And he was only, you know, allotted like 20 minutes to speak. He ended up speaking for like an hour, hour and a half. It was phenomenal. The one time I wish that I could have actually met Rush Limbaugh in person and actually shook his hand, never got the opportunity to do that. But just to see him in person one time and see him speak was one of the most iconic things that I think I ever got to experience. And one of the reasons why I enjoy getting into talk radio in the first place, The Legend, which I don't know if you're aware or not, but last weekend was the three-year... I guess, remembrance anniversary of his passing that happened over the weekend. So Rush Limbaugh, we still love you to death and God bless you out there. And uh, we miss your voice on the airwaves. We can all try and fill your shoes the best we can. And we do our darndest each and every day to try and keep that conservative torch flaming and running as high as we possibly can here in the United States. All right, got to take a break. Hour number three around the corner for the Todd Starnes radio program. We got lots more to get to. Donald Trump making his way back into the news with a town hall yesterday. Nikki Haley saying she's in it for the long haul. What's that going to look like moving forward? Lots more to get to. It's the Todd Starnes radio program. I am Andy Hoosier. Back after this.
0: From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's us, that's right, I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. Yes,
3: it is. Welcome in. It is the Todd Starnes radio program. I am Andy Hoosier filling in for the great Todd Starnes, moving the Liberty University studios from Memphis, Tennessee to Wichita, Kansas today as I broadcast out of my uh, flagship radio station, the Big Talker KQAM in Wichita. So great to have you with us today on the Todd Stearns Radio Show as he is out for the week at the National Association of Broadcasters annual meeting. Plus, he's got his book he's talking about, talking with all the great broadcasters in the country. You know, living the dream. I'm a little jelly, got to be honest. But you know what? Happy to be on the radio and such an honor to be able to fill in for him any opportunity that I get a chance to do. Welcome in, 901-260-5926. If you want to jump on the radio program, 901 901- Two six zero five nine two six. Excited to have you with us. Bottom of this hour, we have a guy by the name of Bear Wozniak. Yes, his name is Bear. And not only that, to take it to another level of awesomeness, he has his book out, which we're going to talk about as well: The 12 Rules of Manliness, how men can be men in society today, which is a difficult thing to do. And in the culture that we live in, that's an attack. But we that really decides on what the definition of culture is really is, if if you know what I mean. So uh, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. First, let's go ahead and kick off the hour with a phone call, however, as we go to Harold on 99, or I'm sorry, 97.7. Harold, what's going on?
5: Yeah, how you doing? Can you hear me okay?
3: I can hear you. What's happening, brother? Okay,
5: well, you know, we hear a lot about the term... uh marxist and i think a lot of people in this country aren't familiar what a marxist is and i just want to explain real quick that karl marx was a german satanist self-confessed satanist that believed that some group had something you don't have and you want it it's okay to take it even by violence because they owe it to you and that's why the way the fights between the bolsheviks and the, everybody else took place uh, over in russia and every place else and one of the things that the Marxists do is go into a country and they tell the minorities that you have less than everybody else. And, and, but if you join us, we're going to look out for you and we're going to give you free stuff and we're going to take away what those other people have and give it to you. And that's why the black race today, so many people that you were talking about a little earlier, they say, well, you know, we ought to be able to commit these crimes. All we got to do is change the definition of the word crime and we get away with it. And secondly, I want to say Joe Biden is not, does not belong in the presidency. He is a Marxist through and through. And everything he's done from day one when he got in there was to destroy this country. He's totally anti-American, anti-Christ. Uh, he's, the, the moral system, the economic system, uh, everything that made this country great, he's totally against. And, uh, and, and he, it's just unbelievable. They're, they're trying to say he's doing what he's doing because he's seen now. It's nothing about senility. That's all a big act, I believe. He's doing what he's doing because it's part of the Marxist plan from day one to do everything you can every single day that you can to destroy this country one way or the other that's why everything's you know gone down the tubes and uh well, well, it seems like well, they're playing good. right
3: into that playbook. Yeah, it seems like they're playing right into that playbook by going after the economy, going after the healthcare industry, going after education, going after the identity politics. And Joe Biden, so you're saying he's not mentally unfit. He's just playing right into that card and then trying to use the elder age maybe as an excuse. That's an interesting theory. Harold, I appreciate the phone call uh, very much. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Is it all a play? Is it all a stage for them just to try and advocate for... This agenda that is the Marxist agenda and whether you look at it as an atheist standpoint or a satanic standpoint, I guess at the end of the day, it's really one and the same, depending on how you perceive it. As right now, they are looking at trying to get people to turn away from that higher power, God, however you perceive that in your own personal uh, walk of life and your own religious text doesn't matter to me at least, but they're trying to turn you away from that too, like you said, Focus on the government. Government's going to solve that issue. And man, obviously, <laughs> we we do a really good job at solving all these issues, right? That's why we're seeing things go in the downward spiral. The more that we give that government the power, uh, day in and day out, which leads me, actually, I'm glad you brought that up here. I'll do our next topic here on the program because there is a push right now, while they continue to try and demonize, so to speak, pun intended here, uh, Donald Trump and call him every name in the book and say that he's the most evil, horrible human being on the face of the earth that they've now labeled him as another radical. Now, of course, if you remember in 20, in the first time he ran, what 2015, 2016, during the election, they said that he was not religious enough that they don't understand. People don't understand why that the Christian right in this nation was supporting someone like Donald Trump with the sketchy history that he had had being a multi-billionaire, hanging out at the you know the Playboy Mansion, or all the affairs that he allegedly had, and all this risque lifestyle that he had as an individual. All the comments that he had made about degrading women, which they went after him for. And they were mind-boggled of the fact that the Christian right would support such a horrible, terrible man when he's not that religious or not that... Uh, a churchy, so to speak. Well, now they've seemed to change their tone. And they've gone from him not being very religious to now advocating for and infusing and the new scare tactic from the other side of the aisle as that if Donald Trump becomes president again, he's going to infuse what they call Christian nationalism into his administration. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I want to read this article for you. Now, first off, I had not heard, except for, I don't know, in the last few months, this term known as Christian nationalism. And as Drew talked about, we chatted with him in the last hour that really mentioned that Christian nationalism, only like three to five percent of the Christian community actually identify as Christian nationalists. So I had to do a little Googling to look up the definition of what this is, where it says Christian nationalism is a type of religious nationalism That's affiliated with Christianity. It primarily focuses on internal politics of society, such as legislating civil and criminal law that reflects their views of Christianity and the role of religion in political and social life. Okay, so that makes sense. But infusing our views into the government. Now, there are a few ways to approach this issue. Because first off, I don't know that we're infusing what's known as quote-unquote Christian nationalism, Show of hands, how many, and it's been a while since they've made a new season of it. Hopefully they're done because it was a god-awful, terrible show. But how many people watched the TV show on Hulu known as The hands made Tale? Anybody watch that? My wife loved it. She was obsessed with the movie. But it, they're essentially building off of this fear that's been created by Hollywood, by media, with the story of like the Handsmaid Tale. For those that don't know, I'll give you a quick summation. You can watch it if you want to. I don't know that I necessarily recommend it, but you can watch it if you want. But the Handsmaid Tale was a story of how this group of right wing radical fascist Christian organizations overthrew the United States government. They overthrew it because for some reason there was a virus, there was a sickness, there's something that happened, and fertility rates went down among the population, and society was going to die off. So, in order to try and save society, This Christian organizations, these Christian groups, wherever they were, overthrew the United States government, implemented a harsh uh, Christian policy where it was mandatory to read the Bible, and they outlawed gays, and they outlawed the LGBTQ stuff, and they outlawed this and outlawed that. And it was a utopian of right-wing Christianism that then enslaved the few women that still were fertile and enslaved them to produce children. They would... Uh, The the handmaid, they would be a maid in the house for these families and the male would end up doing adult things with these slaves to produce children. They would produce the child and then the maid would go off to another family to do it all over again. That's the premise of this story. It was a horrible, ridiculous story. And every time I watched this show, I don't know why my wife got so fascinated with it, but I despised this program. It was so terrible. It angered me. It made my blood boil every single time I watched this program. And then shortly after, there was this massive push all over social media by these radical feminists of saying this is what the Christian community really wants. This is what they want to do. They want to lock us down. They want to take away our rights. They just want us to be in the kitchen popping out babies and whatever Whatever they try to accuse the conservative movement and the Christian movement of by manipulating and twisting the biblical text in order to endorse this type of behavior. And I had to go on a couple arguments on social media a few times because there was a few times where I had to correct them and be like, I'd like, I wanted to remind them that if they wanted to talk about a utopianism where they silenced freedom of speech, they enslaved individuals, they took away the true context of biblical truth, they took away any type of freedom of expression, they took away at at the same time they took away power. They wanted them to live in like the 1800s, essentially, without any power or electricity. They had to eat these fresh fruits and vegetables and everything. They pushed this massive environmental issue, which they believed was the cause for the infertility because of the pesticides or the environment or whatever the case was. That that is literally to a T the definition of what the left wing fascists in this nation actually do on a daily basis. They just threw in the Christian belief on it, made the little twist, and made it into a Hollywood show. And now you have an entire left wing phobia right now. Now, of right wing nationalism taking over and infiltrating, forcing you to read the Bible in a particular manner all over the nation. That's where they got this narrative. That's where they got this message. And it's unbelievable how much they've twisted this. Now, I don't care. We have something called the First Amendment where you have the freedom to express any religious belief that you want. Personally, as a Christian myself, I have my Christian faith. I believe that in my own particular way as does everybody else. And, in fact, the polls show that the vast majority of the nation actually still holds those beliefs. And while we look at Christian values, we can see them infused and intertwined into our governing body as we speak. There's a major difference between an individual that's in public service that has faith and a policy that's faith-based forcing someone to believe a particular way. There is a vastly different view on those two ideas. And right now they're blending the two where we see them getting upset about, you know, having a a biblical text on the back of a truck for an ICE agent or immigration officer. Or they get upset because there may be a prayer at the school in a public building, which, again, if it's not saying the school, everybody must kneel down and pray at the same time. If the school's not telling you that, then if someone else decides to do it, if someone remember the prayer at the poll, Remember, though, I remember that as a kid, going to the prayer at the poll, and the, the youth groups and the churches in the area on a particular day would go and pray at the poll, at the flagpole before school started. Uh, if you're not doing that with the government telling you you have to do that, or else, what's the problem here? What are we doing? But they've blended that to saying anybody that gets elected into public office needs to be completely secular, not have any faith based ideas, or. You're violating this First Amendment, and now they're trying to create this fear-based politics, another level of paranoia, by saying that you have to be secular to be involved in government, which is absolutely insane. 901-260-5926, is this a concern for you, this Christian nationalism being infused into the Donald Trump administration where we're trying to just tell everybody exactly how to believe, how to have their faith, and how to practice in this nation? It's kind of an odd behavior that we see from this new fear tactic that they're creating. Let's go to uh, Steve from the great state of Georgia on WDUN. Steve, what's going on, my friend?
9: Hey, Andy. Uh, thanks for filling in, uh, and you're doing a great job, and I really appreciated um, the discussion about the guy with uh, no rules or, you know, just <laughs> redefining, Change the definition the crime.
3: of crime. You don't have any crime anymore. Yeah, Voila. Yeah.
9: <laughs> yeah, but before I make those Uh, End point on that comment, if I may, because you brought up the late, great Rush Limbaugh. Um, If you would allow me a quick homage. There was a guy named Rush all over the air each day, all over the air, telling us how he loved the American way. You'll soon see what he means. And he talked to us just like it was just the two of us and nobody else. And I can't remember the rest because I'm nervous. Well
3: well done. Well done. There you go. I love it. What's on your mind? You got about a minute before we have to take a break here. It's all yours.
9: All right. Thank you, sir. So this guy, we were founded on a Judeo-Christian heritage, which is based on the Ten Commandments. And then when Jesus came along, he just kind of condensed that to the two, which would cover all the other eight. Anyway, but we can't figure this out. But... What this guy is proposing is the law of the jungle, Darwinianism, survival of the fittest, do what you want, and we won't care about it. Just whoever is left standing, you, you, you're, you're in charge, you get to run things. So that's what this this guy is from outer space. being him up, leave us alone. He's crazy.
3: Yeah. He's just crazy. leave us alone. That's a great point, Steve. I appreciate that very much. Uh Yeah. Leave us alone. We just want to be left alone. We want to be able to practice the way we want. We want to be able to believe the way we want. We want the ability to express ourselves the way we want to. And lo and behold, we have laws that are intact to allow us to do that as well. This paranoia and fear from the other side thats I don't even know is a legitimate paranoia and fear, but it's a fake paranoia and fear to get people riled up emotionally I think that's what's driving them to think about this whole Christian nationalism taking over this nation, overthrowing the government and turning us into a quote unquote Christian nation. When you said, I mean, we have a lot of uh, Christianity that was embedded into our founding with a lot of the founders that had that faith and wanted that instilled in understanding that there is that higher power that guides us and keeps us on the straight and narrow for this country. Got to take a break. I want your phone calls at 901-260-5926 here on the Todd Starnes Radio Program. Stay right here. I seem to remember back in the day that there was a time when we could actually just get along. And if you didn't like the way someone did something, you just didn't have to partake in it. I remember back in the day when you could actually live your life and they could live theirs and you lived happy. They lived happy. You could still get along and you could be friendly at the same time. But then you would just do something a little bit different. That's totally okay. It seems like those days are in the past now. And that's quite unfortunate with the way that we live in society. Uh, My senior year of high school. I was playing football. That was the one and only year that I played football. But my senior year of high school, I played football. And our principal of our school in Colorado, where I grew up, was also our high school football coach. And I'll never forget this because he got a lot of pushback for this one, for at least the beginning, but he didn't care. And at the beginning of every game, before every football game started, we had the entire team kneel down in a circle and, and pray before the game. Now, this is a public school. And according to some, they would be very angry about something like that. How dare you make those kids pray before a game? How, how could you do such a thing? But it wasn't mandatory. If someone didn't feel comfortable doing it, they didn't have to. They could stand off to the side. They could do to go do their own thing. They could pray to whatever higher power that they chose to do and see fit. But he was Christian, and obviously the vast majority of us were in our small little mountain town in Colorado, and we did that before every single game and it was one of the few years that we actually went to the playoffs. I would like to partake and, and say that I was to credit for that, but I wasn't. It was my only year I played, so I honestly didn't do a whole lot. But nonetheless, I was proud of it. But that's the way things needed to be. Again, the other side of the aisle that creates this fear-based mongering, this this crazy paranoia that they have, getting people riled up, of forcing your kids to do stuff they don't want, you have a choice. And that's the big choice, and that's the big difference between what we're seeing now and what we saw back then is that you could partake, you could not partake, and that was your prerogative to do based on what your views were. We're not enforcing or pushing it onto anybody like they try to do on their end of the aisle. What really comes down to is that they are livid, that other people think differently than they do, which is what the Marxists, the fascists, the, the Nazism, not to use all these words loosely, but this big utopian authoritarian type of government mindset that progressives have, all the education needs to be the same, All of the uh, history lessons need to be taught the same. Everybody needs to buy the same stuff. We need to get rid of these businesses that may have conservative values. We need to believe the same way. We need to think the same way. And if you don't, then you are the problem. And we are now justified in attacking you and coming after you as a fascist or a Nazi or whatever. That's why we see Antifa, the anti-fascists that justify themselves in violently attacking others that they don't agree with. Because to them, either you're with us or you are. The most horrible person on the face of the earth. And again, not to look at it in a narcissistic type of way, but look at yourself in the mirror and the ones that are all about the lovey dovey, hold hands, sing Kumbayan were open to anybody's belief system. <laughs> you are as long as you agree with you in the same mindset. Oh, how the tables have turned. And I think people are starting to catch on to this. This push for this fear of Christian nationalism, I don't think is going to be very favorable favorable to them. Lots more coming up around the corner for the Todd Starnes radio program. Stay here. Welcome back into it. It is the Todd Sons Radio Program. Well done. Well done. Digging the bump music. I love it. Ready to rock and roll here. 901-260-5926. If you want to jump on the program as we move through a Wednesday today, middle of the week, just carpe is all over this place. Or at least I tell myself that every day, right? Winning. All right, welcome in 901-260-5926. Andy Hoosier filling in for Todd Starnes moving the Liberty University studios out to Wichita, Kansas. Today, where I broadcast each and every day as we talk about this. And I want to shift it briefly for just a moment. Before we move off on this whole push for evil Christian nationalism that apparently is the new fad of fear mongering from the other side of the aisle. I would like to remind that our founders were pretty brilliant. I'm not sure if you're aware of that or not, but our founding fathers were pretty brilliant in the way they wrote it because the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them had some type of uh, faith and faith-based ideals when they wrote our Constitution. And for those that may not look at it or look at it in a religious context or look, uh, argue and debate things through a biblical text as well, that you can make your arguments for your faith – Without even having to mention the Bible to some of those that don't see that as a credible reference, but you can do it through the Constitution. When you talk about the pillars of what this nation was about, individual sovereignty individual freedom, the right to life, liberty, and and pursuit of happiness, or uh, what I like to say is the three pillars of conservatism, the right to life, liberty, and private property, when you argue these things that it falls into any of the social issues, it falls into any of the economic or social issues that we get to make our decisions and that we do those based on the concept of a higher power that protects our natural God-given rights in this nation and that the government doesn't give them to us because if the government gave it to us, they could just as easily take it away. But instead, it's given by a higher power. The role of the government is to protect them and make sure no one else infringes upon them. How ironic is that the government themselves are the ones wanting to infringe upon them now in the first place based on the big government elites that think that the government needs to be the answer and not that. Higher power. To talk about some of that fascinating conversation that I think we've had and talk about some of that and more, looking forward, happy to have this guy on the program. I love chatting with him. I've had him on my program a few times as well. He has authored the book 12 Rules for Manliness. And the guy that is probably extremely manly beyond anybody else because just the fun stuff that he's done throughout his life, really happy to have on here Mr. Bear Wozniak. Bear, what's going on, my friend? How are you?
10: Hey, hello hi Andy. I'm here in Hawaii looking out. I saw a big old whale breach here earlier today. So, um, separate
3: for Jesus here in paradise. Hey, amen to that. I love it. So last time I talked to you on, on my national program, you were on your boat somewhere and like, I don't know where you were. You were off the, some Island or something. So you're just living the dream every day. And for those that don't know, you've been a professional surfer. You've been active in a lot of adventures. You have your website to get kids and boys, especially into certain adventures and teaching them this lifestyle. So you're just living it up every day. I I, I'm envious. I'm a little jelly.
10: I think, you know, I, I think each of us have our own talents, as philosophers would say. There's a certain way every each individual comes kind of factory loaded uh, with certain gifts and talents and limitations. And our job is to kind of discern really what it is God's calling us to and to pursue that. And the pursuit of of kind of doing that is where we really kind of find our, our fulfillment and we find the true good. But, by the way, the, the book is called Twelve Rules for Manfulness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? And I just got to interview a cowboy for my show. So, um, yeah, life is good. I can't imagine a
3: better life. I love it. Life is good for sure. Talk about, we we spent the first part of this hour talking about this push now, the fear from the other side of the political aisle about this Christian nationalism. Uh, and if Trump becomes president again, that he would instill all these ultra-religious individuals and in government institutions and forcing Christianity and religion down everybody's throat through this Christian nationalism, obviously creating a, a paranoid state of fear, that uh, for those that don't necessarily believe the same beliefs, which you can believe whatever you want to. I don't really care. But this new fear of why we shouldn't elect Donald Trump. But it's just another step towards us saying that we need to go more secular in this nation as opposed to believing in some form of a higher power for young minds and especially young boys in today's age where we see a lot of major issues and anxiety and depression and everything that we're battling in today's times. How do we keep that faith in the family, and how do we teach these young boys to be raised properly with that faith-based mentality?
10: Well, you know, uh, first of all, Jesus did say, I think it's in Matthew 28, he said, Go therefore make disciples of all nations. He didn't say the whole world, he said nations, so... Uh, that individuation uh, of, of, of individuals, that we have our own, our own place in, in the world and in life, and is also uh, perpetuated in the nation, the culture of each nation. It isn't like Jesus said, go make a one-world government. He said, disciple each each the nations in each of their own ways. But the key with men, especially in you know, this book, 12 Rules for Manliness, a lot of fathers are taking the time to read this with their sons. Um, but the way of, the way a young boy becomes a man is by having a father that will be a, a role model for him, and by taking on responsibility. Taking on as we say in Hawaii, kuleana. Uh, John Wayne quoted uh, my 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 favorite author, Louis Moore, one of my favorite authors, uh, in one of the movies that's based on his novel. And he said, you, "You're born a boy, but you got to become a man, and you become a man by by taking on responsibility, you, and and you grow." And you grow as a man in strength by, by resistance training, you know, so you do the hard thing uh, and you do the right thing. And that's what makes a boy into a man.
3: It's a great lesson to be learned, which really ties into we had we had seen earlier that there are civil rights advocates that say that in order to lower crime rates in the nation, we just need to redefine what a crime actually is. Take a listen to this.
2: <laughs> we can get rid of all the crime in America overnight, just like that. And people have power, Attorney crop change the definition
3: of crime so bear you just got to change the That's definition the of crime you, you mentioned holding yourself accountable actually having work actually teaching life lessons uh, nowadays we're going the opposite direction and hey if it's wrong we'll just change the definition of it it's not going to change then all of a sudden you're not breaking a law or doing anything bad
10: yeah you're seeing that down at the border where they don't talk about how many illegals are coming across the border they just talk about how many they've processed you know so yeah. um that we're going to make it. We're going to do a good job of processing people, getting their names and, and addresses, which aren't even real. And we're going to consider that doing the job instead of stopping people at the border and only have, having legal immigration. It's the same thing, like with planned, planned Parenthood. What a false concept that is! That's not planning anything. That's killing a baby. You know, if you want to plan, there are natural ways you can do that. Or the same thing with the, the law that was passed that says uh, this is our, our, our anti-inflation act, which was. Anything but that, you know. So, so words are very important, it turns out. You know, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, uh, uh, before he was incarnate, was, was the Son of God, but also referred to as the Word of God. So, words are very, very powerful, and we need to become very discerning and speak with a lot of clarity with what words we choose. For example, in the book 12 Rules for Manliness, I didn't say, I didn't say masculinity, I said manliness. You know, the word man. The root word for the word man is, is, is ver in Latin, where you get the word virtue. But it also comes from the word, like in homo sapien, the word word homo in, in Latin means dirt. So men are men, but God breathed into mankind, gave him a living soul. So there's this grittiness that we need our, our men to be, but it has to be grit and grace. We need to have, we need to, we need to, uh, have the power of the Lord in our life. We need to also be able to, um, You know, live a life of grit, but also don't forget to give grace to those around us. Whereas men, we just seem to power through. I tend to just be a bull in a china closet, so I have to learn, like in, in Colossians, it said, act like men. And then the next line says, do all things in love. So we need strong men who are willing to lay their life down for those that God's called them to serve, and to do that in love.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you mentioned the difference between the manliness and masculinity, because that was my next question I had for you. We're talking with Bear Wozniak, author of the book, to 12 Rules for Manliness, uh, which you can see where where have all the cowboys gone? As you mentioned, this toughness that we need for men and what, really what the man's role is in society in some way, which we'll get to women in just a moment. But do you think that that's intentional when we see the attack on, quote unquote, masculinity and manliness making men softer making boys softer making them question their identity making them take these hormone blockers telling them that if you are manly and you work with your hands or you do something rough and gruff or you try to attract the female by being some type of daredevil or some type of idiot like we all are as boys trying to attract the female uh side uh, at that time th- that stuff's bad is that intentional to try and take away from what that role of man actually is
10: yes but but the thing is is it's our response to that has been so weak and anemic, you know, that we need to, we, people go, well, look, look, look what's happened, look what's happened to uh, where they pick on men and they, 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 they try to marginalize us, make fun of us. That's because we let it happen. And I'll tell you where, where it started to happen. It started at the moment that the pill came out and men could take a woman to bed without having any responsibility. Uh, that, that nuptial union, that that making love is meant to be a very powerful, powerful act of mutual commitment. It's, uh, the, when John Paul II wrote his very first play, it was about love and responsibility. So once we started taking advantage of the situation and and uh, just uh, you know having sex outside of marriage or not or not within the confines of a committed relationship, the whole structure of society collapsed because uh, because uh, because men were taking the easy way out. We we as men need to take responsibility. In Hawaii, the word kuleana it means more than responsibility. It means like a, a personal ownership of, our, of the stewardship that God's given us. It's like we're we're factory loaded to fulfill this, this this mission in our lives, and when we don't, not only not only is it the breaking down of society, but our our own souls feel all yucky. We don't feel right. You know, it just doesn't. Yeah. When, when people don't. Go to work. because Jesus said, even now the Father and I, we work. When you work and you're productive, that's a very godly thing to do. And when you don't do that, your soul gets sick. Or if you if you if you go to pornography instead of going and seeking out a real relationship with a real woman, it makes your soul sick. It makes it, it, makes it weak. It makes it, it makes it disgusting. So our response to that can't just be, I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. It has to be, I'm going to walk away with integrity. I'm going to seek the grace of the Holy Spirit. And there's a verse, that same verse where, where I quoted earlier, where it says, act like men, do all things in love. It didn't say act like a man. It said act like men. So you need to have fellowship with other men that you can be formed with and, and, and form each other, you know, by the power of God. So, yeah, but I, let's stop making excuses for the world's not picking on us. We're the ones that caused that We brought it on ourselves and we need to make a stand.
3: Yeah, we got to make a stand. And we got to bring it back here, Bear. We got a few minutes left. We're talking with Bear Wozniak, which you can find on his website, BearsSchoolOfManliness dot com. You can also check out his book, Twelve Rules for Manliness. Where have all the cowboys gone? We talk all about the men right now, but let's talk about real quickly in the last couple of minutes for the females. Does that mean that the women are supposed to be just docile and just submissive and just be in the no. kitchen popping out babies day in and day okay. out? Because that's that's the fear that they give on the other side, isn't it?
10: Well, you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a tandem surfer, a world champion tandem surfer. That's why I lift my wife while we surf in some extreme surfing conditions and very extreme lifts, some are one handed lifts. But guess, guess what my job as a man is? It's to lift her, and it's yeah. to show her power and her beauty and her grace. No one's looking at me. So you can tell a lot about a man by looking at his wife. So our job as men is to lift them so that they can reach their, they, they, they can flourish too and have their own aspirations. And the, the way that God's wired them, but we can't. But but we can't. Uh, we, we men don't inspire trust in women anymore. Yeah. You shouldn't just. They, they should just give their trust to you. You need to earn that respect and earn that trust by treating her good, by cherishing her, and uh, and 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 then by lifting her. And when we do that, society will be back in the right place again.
3: Yeah, it's wild. You actually complement each other, which is the whole purpose of the union between the two, so that way you can complement each other and be able to move forward in an excellent way with you supporting each other in that way. But that's not what we hear from the other side. When we talk about manliness, that means that we are going to dominate the women and put them in their place, and that's the fear politics that we get from that left side of the aisle. Bear, we're out of time, my friend. I love it. Bear's... 12 Rules for Manliness is the book. Where have all the cowboys gone? You can see his website as well, at BearsSchoolOfManliness.com. Bear, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I love it. God bless you. Keep up the fight. we got to get you back on again soon.
10: Okay,
3: aloha. Hey, aloha to you. There it is. All right, take a break. One more segment right back here on the Todd Starnes radio program. Stay here. Welcome back into it. It is the Todd Sarns radio program. Andy Hoosier filling in for just the last couple of minutes on a Wednesday. So sad I'll be leaving you after this, but no worries. Some great hosts filling in throughout the rest of the week as Todd is out. We'll be back in here soon before you know it. By the way, I want to tell you about our friends over at MyPillow and Mike Lindell. As you know, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. It's true. I see it and I enjoy it all the time. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow, but Mike also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for all of us, which is crucial, especially when we have these busy schedules like we do every day. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft, breathable, but extremely durable. And the bed sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors as well, with the latest incredible deal now being the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, You'll also receive a set for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Say what? Say what? That's what I'm telling you. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square. Use the promo code STARNS, S-T-A-R-N-E-S. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all of the MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, the MyPillow kitchen and towel sets, and now even the flannel sheets and so much more. My wife, Mrs. Voice of Reason, she loves the flannel sheets. Absolutely loves them. Call 1-800-839-8506. Again, 1-800-839-8506. Or use the promo code STARNS. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure that you use the promo code STARNS for all the great discounts and savings. It's MyPillow. Great partners with us here on the Todd Starnes radio program. Thanks again to Bear Wozniak. Can you imagine his name's Bear? And he's a professional surfer and like bodybuilder and great individual. His website helping young boys, which is what we need. We need that guidance. We need that Setting the stage for the tough work and setting the stage for what a boy is supposed to do. And I know this is a controversial topic, apparently, but we're supposed to have that fatherly influence in our lives. And when we see so many families being torn apart and divorce rates at like 50 or 60 percent in the nation, whatever they are nowadays, that we see the family unit being broken and so many individuals not having both that motherly and that fatherly influence in their life, which is why, in my humble opinion, we're seeing so many different uh, lifestyles that are, I'm not going to say bad, but they're different from what the traditional family values are. And because of that, we're seeing that family value break apart. And because of that, we're seeing the agenda of those that are not only just saying, okay, well, you have it and I don't, but now we're seeing the victimization because of lifestyles that are different. My brother, my brother's about seven years younger than me, and I was off in college. I started my radio career. I started doing my stuff. My brother was in college in Colorado. I'm not going to say what university, but I'll never forget. He texted me one day and he said, Andy, you'll never believe what just happened. And he told me that while he was in class, I don't know what class it was. But he said in class they were talking about privilege, of course, the white privilege that happens in society, uh, because obviously we were the ones that created laws that created crimes that are targeted towards apparently the cultures of black individuals or something, which is what these uh, civil rights attorneys try to tell us now, I guess. I guess that's the world we're living in today. But he said because we are talking about this privilege issue, he said they targeted me. And they the the professor at the university looked at my brother and And said, you are the prime example of this, that you're white, that you're straight, and that you have both parents together. Like, they went a step further than what I had ever heard at that time. They took it to another level of not only are you the evil white straight individual, which obviously is like the most hated person in the country now, but you also had both of your parents together. So, therefore, you have the ultimate privilege. Now, imagine that. We've gotten to a point in society where having both of your parents still together is actually a privilege and that you are now needing to apologize for that privilege for the victimized in society that don't have that because the divorce rates are so high and that we use that as an acceptable way to live in society. I don't accept that. I don't buy that. And we can fix that. We can change that. We just have to get back to the basics and do what we were meant to do in society. That does it for us today. Such an honor to fill in for Todd Starnes. We love you to death. Thanks so much for giving me a chance. We'll be back at it again soon. Todd Starnes back at it again as well soon. It is the Todd Starnes radio program. Everybody have a wonderful day.